Hiya, listener. Welcome to Wiggly Podcast number 36. We're live from the BBC Gardener's World show at the NEC this week. I'm Richard, and I'm sat at the moment in the Wiggly Podium, which is a fantastic creation built by Pip and Adie. And uh, we're hosting some talks here all week with Fellows Plant Life. The hordes are descending into the show, as Michael said, locusts with credit cards, which I thought was decidedly apt. We've got some great stuff here this year. We've got a fantastic turf roof, a wildflower turf roof on the other podium, and we've got a beautiful garden that we've won a silver gilt award for. Hey! <laughs> so, uh, so we're all pretty chuffed about that. We were marginally off of gold, apparently, this year, but it is a fantastic garden. We're very pleased the way it's turned out, and the weather's looking up as well. We've had a good dollop of rain the last few days to keep the garden watered. But it's all looking really, really nice now. The sun's coming out and we're set to have a fantastic weekend, by all accounts. So as part of our talks, as I mentioned earlier on, we're sat in our Wiggly's Talk Pavilion. Uh, which is a, a, a tin shack, otherwise known as a bandstand. <laughs> but Andy from Plant Life has been kind enough to join us. One of the reasons I've asked Andy to come along is just to give us an idea of why he's at the NEC and what he's doing here, what Plant Life are doing here. It's the first time that Plant Life's been at Gardeners Well Live, so it's great to be here. It's our first show garden as well, so we've got silver gilt for a show garden. It's about seven metres square, and in that small space, what we're trying to show is that you can actually take a whole host of nice, attractive, native plants and use them in a garden setting. We're trying to celebrate Britain's floral diversity, if you like, but we're also trying to show that you can use them in a garden setting and create a habitat for wildlife. I think you've achieved that as well, because it was the first time I saw it properly yesterday when I had a chance to talk to you and Trevor and uh, there's a fantastic planting scheme there and some of those native species you wouldn't imagine that they could look so effective in the kind of setting that they're in. Well that's right I mean it's been designed by Sarah Eberly and she has very craftily sort of taken a whole scheme of blues and pinks and that sort of thing down one side of the garden down the other side there's many more yellows and pale lemons and that sort of thing and it's worked very well. It has it has worked absolutely fantastically and, and, and of course as you know Wigglers do sell a great many native species of plants that are, that are grown locally in Herefordshire and some which have the seed of the harvested from Triplicise in South Shropshire. Where are you based? Where is plant we're life based? We're based down in Salisbury, so we're in the sort of heart of chalk downland countries, right. so great areas right. for things like cowslips, oxide daisies and a lot of the different orchids. Absolutely, and of course you're right next to Salisbury Plain then really, so you'll have some fantastic uh, devil's bit scabious. It's, uh, devil's bit scabious and of course as we all know plants are the basis of life so you've got your devil's bit scabious but you also have on Salisbury Plain huge populations of marsh fritillary butterfly that feed on that particular species. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Andy, plant life, I think it's, it's a relatively new organisation isn't it? Can you explain a bit about what Plant Life are hoping to achieve and what you do? Well, we formed about 15 or 16 years ago. What we're trying to do is really do for plants what the RSBB has done for birds. We're very much focused on the wild plants in the countryside. And as we all know, hedgerows, wildflower meadows, all these habitats have disappeared alarmingly over the past years. But what we're trying to do is really, through a sort of a happy blend of policy work, of nature reserve acquisition, of volunteer work, all these sorts of things, we're trying to lobby for change for a better, more colourful countryside. That's fantastic. Thanks very much. And, and it's, it's very kind of you to join us. And I'm really looking forward to your talks later on. The first one is uh, well, in approximately uh, an uh, hour and a half hour. or something. That's so, right. Yeah. Thanks very much. Excellent. Cheers, Andy. Right. And 
<laughs> our intrepid explorer of the M50 has arrived. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's yeah. so funny. And then late as usual, but <laughs> <laughs> better late grr, than never. Grr, grr. <laughs> anyway, we're we going to detail. We have a little training for Richard today, and that <laughs> is how to restock the stand. One does a check at the end of the day, and yeah. then one phones into Jody and explains <laughs> what's missing, and then we allocate the stock, and then off we go the next morning. <laughs> Not uh, we, we phone Heather up at ten past seven. And say, could you just? Could you just? Could you just? Could you just? <laughs> and get her into this complete strop. Yeah, well, you're all right now, anyway, and you're here, which is the main thing. <laughs> Such a smooth talker. Right, I've got the answer to the question. Okay. So the question was, who was the vice president of the United States when Bill Clinton was the president who came to Hay Literary Festival? And we only had a handful of entries. Right. Now, this puzzles me because I happen to know that there's thousands of you listeners. And so do you think that thousands of you are going to enter and therefore not win? Or do you think it's secretly not a prize? Because if you do, you're wrong. Because the winner is <laughs> Kirsten Roberts. And the answer was Al Gore. And she says, keep up the excellent podcasting. So my recommendation is to enter. Because honestly, yeah. I could count them Good on prizes. one hand, those entrants. Right. And the prize was a bouquet, Anne's bouquet which I shall email Kirsten to find out who she wants to send it to. Okay, oh, that's lovely. Nice prize. Good stuff. Okay. And I've got a bit of feedback for you, Rich. Yep. Which is from Reg Dove. Hi, Heather. Thanks for the podcast. I've now listened to them. I'm up to date. You seem to be a very happy team working at Wiggly Wigglers. Yeah. Well, most of the were. time. Most <laughs> of the time, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm planning to... <laughs> Oh I'm planning to purchase a can of worms, but I'm concerned that we wouldn't have enough vegetable waste to keep the worms alive. How much waste do you need to keep them going? As I, I don't want to be accused of wormicide. By the way, your laugh is funnier than Ricky Gervais. Oh, <laughs> there, you Reg. there you go. See, Excellent. I knew I was Andy for something. Yeah. Well, what, what's your reply? Well, it's, I think with a can of worms, it's more of a question of a maximum amount of waste you can put in there rather than a minimum amount. So the worms that we provide with a worm will be quite happy to cope with the amount of waste created by a couple or an individual. What tends to happen with the worm is it builds up over time. So you have a certain amount of worms to begin with and you keep feeding them and their will, population will increase according to how much waste you're adding. So, of course, if you're only adding a little bit of waste, then the worms won't breed to any massive extent so you won't actually be starving them they will only breed according to how much waste you're adding now has reg got a dog uh, uh you tell me <laughs> i'm not sure but if he has he can put the dog hair in and that'll bulk it up a bit won't it absolutely absolutely <laughs> that little laugh there was from Anne. so we must welcome Anne to our podcast Anne mccracken and can you tell me of the hold you got wiggly wigglers out of Last week? Yes, last week, Heather, I had a phone call from Richard, I think it was Monday, and we've just realised that we need to do some plans for the show stand, and we haven't done them, and I'm sure you could do it for us with all your experience, and I said, yes, of course I can, but I have got a couple of exams as well this week, so I'll fit it in. Cut a very long story short, I managed to get the drawings done on Thursday, Wednesday evening, Wednesday night, Thursday day caught the post at 5.25, was assured I'd caught the post. In fact, I handed it in so that you'd have them for Friday morning. And where were they? Nowhere Friday. And where were they Saturday morning? Because none of us panic at Wiggly Wigglers. We all just, we know it, you know, all be okay. Yeah. Saturday morning, <laughs> no post. 11 o'clock, I have a phone call from Heather. 
we haven't got the man and what are we going to do well uh, okay I'll do another set then so Saturday afternoon I rush over to the NEC to the garden with my fresh set of plans and get them over to you for about I think it was three o'clock in the afternoon 35 degrees centigrade and wonderful they is. are too yeah they are the brilliant plan brilliant plans it has occurred to me that sometimes you know we might give the impression of not being particularly well organized that, Richard. <laughs> no, 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 it's an organic organisation, is it, is it not? That's what you it is, yeah. excellent, yeah, excellent. It's happening, babe. It's all <laughs> happening. So anyway, we've got the plans, they're absolutely beautiful, and they helped us win that medal that you were so enthusiastic about. Yes, so we'll hear gilt. how it is properly. It was a silver gilt medal. Silver gilt. Yippee! Michael's just turned me down. Sorry about that, listener. So, um, tell us about what you do, because how come you can draw this beautiful plan for us? What, what's your background? Okay, well, my background, actually, I trained in architecture years and years ago, but then I jumped ship a little bit for a few years. I and mean, I ran a financial institution for years and years while my children oh, were growing up. Really boring. <laughs> Independent financial advisor. <laughs> But I decided I really wanted to get back into my favourite hobbies, gardening, organic gardening. So I'm at college at the moment, I'm studying a degree in horticulture and landscape design. Hence, I've been asked in by Wiggly Wigglers to help out on a few shows. So if you want your garden designed, you can phone Anne on... 01926 316 318. Or you can email me on mccrack, which is mccrac2000 at aol.com. Brilliant. And yeah. generally, normally, I do the drawing before you actually physically do the garden. We did this one the other way round. I was on the phone to Heather, constantly saying, what colour's the gate? How tall is the hedge? Uh, because I did the drawing without actually seeing the garden. It, it, it was in my head. Um, I, I must tell you what the judges said, the feedback on the garden from the judges. They said that the drawings were excellent, that we'd followed the brief perfectly, and when they'd read the brief, they didn't know what tinnies were. <laughs> um, and they couldn't think that we could possibly fulfil the brief so they were very pleased to see that that had happened oh, and that the only reason that we didn't get a gold and it was a split vote was that we could have contained the garden a little bit better or had a focal point right in the middle and that's ironic because Anne and I discussed that at great length we actually did on yeah. the telephone yes yeah. we certainly did yeah. that was one of my sort of points yeah, yeah. absolutely well, there you are. <laughs> so there we are in future I'll do the design first <laughs> And then we'll do the drawing. Okie dokie. <laughs> you brought something in? Oh, I brought something in when I got home last Richard night. About. I brought a little thingy in in a matchbox. When I got home last night, my son was distraught, 19 years old. My partner was distraught, 35 years old. Neither of them would go in the room. There's a swarm of bees in the room. <laughs> so I, I had a look. There were five, but there were only three when I was there, and they were not bees. And I managed to actually shoot two out, but one was being rather naughty, and I had to capture it. So I've brought it with me in a little matchbox. And Richard, he knew exactly what it was. Yeah, it's a hornet, isn't it? It's an absolutely superb specimen as well. You didn't squash it. I didn't you, uh, squash you know, it, no. I was it, very so. kind. I suffocated it. These are, these are great. <laughs> the, the, um, these are fantastic things. We've, I think we've talked about hornets briefly on a Wiggly podcast before, one of our first podcasts. We had a nest in the garden last year, I think, That's in right. one of the pear trees. But they are a species that are increasing, the population increasing, possibly as a consequence of the climate warming up, and maybe also because, in actual fact, they are a protected species now. So it might be that people aren't bumping them off <laughs> <laughs> as, oh. much as, as much as they could be. <laughs> they are, ecologically, they're very significant. They're amazing predators of pest insects. And uh, whilst this one that I'm examining he is was very old, that slightly one. stiff... <laughs> 
<laughs> you the can see it is in incredibly good condition. I mean, Sony Hornet's one of my favourite insects. There's an entomologist guy just up the way here, actually, showing all sorts of interesting creepy crawlies. Yeah, there's a bug that, um, clinic. That people can visit. Yeah, bug clinic. Yeah, so that, that, that's quite fun. I went in there yesterday and had a look. Some really interesting stuff. But, Rich, don't they sting? So they do people sting. won't like them. They do sting. They're not as aggressive as wasps, but the sting is certainly equivalent to that of a wasp. Mm. However, because they're not as aggressive, then really you've got to grab hold of one or step on one or something like that in order for them to sting you. So what will happen to Anne now she's done this <laughs> dreadful act? Well, I'm going to take these down to uh, take this little hornet down to the local RSPB office. We should and say Anne that. And Anne will be marched off in shackles. <laughs> I did let the other four go, and obviously I have got a whole nest of them outside yeah, in the garden, absolutely. so they're doing their job. What yeah. should you do if you've got a hornet's nest in your bedroom, love? What tends to happen, the legislation are that if a hornet's nest is a real pest, then you can get the pest control guy, ring at a local authority, and they'll send someone down to sort them out but if they're somewhere where you think you can ignore them and they'll ignore you then it's definitely worth leaving that colony because they will benefit you in the garden certainly lovely now just before we go to describe the garden i just want to tell you what happened last saturday in the telegraph because there's an article called social stereotypes the compost enthusiasts by victoria mather and they have this funny column in there all the time and i think we must have just made it because we're in this column and it's about constance and caroline who are two aunties at a wedding and they long since abandoned the wedding to go and look at the compost heap. And um, we're quoted in there by saying, Constant and Caroline absolve their dear niece Sophia's parents, whom they regarded with huge suspicion for living in Hertfordshire, a non-county, from succumbing to the can of worms from wigglywigglers.co.uk or bark and wood chips. Constant and Caroline regard bark and wood chips as very garden centre. <laughs> this is very off the wall. <laughs> what can I say? Except it pleased me. Yeah. Give us a description of the garden, Ricardo, and then I'm going to escape with my little roving reporter thing right. to find out what people think. In actual fact, the garden here is a slightly larger version of the one it was at Hay, wasn't it? Well, it's smaller, but it's more compact in terms of planting. So there's a lot more plants in it than hay, but it's actually about half the size. I'm looking at the garden now, and there's a whole host of people looking at it admiringly. And there's obviously a bit of a football theme, isn't there? And one thing I really like are the white and red bug boxes. Our England bug boxes that adorn our lovely low oak picket fence. And the garden is ensconced in that low picket fence and you've got a a lawn area. Lawns are great for practical purposes, you know, they don't really support a great deal of wildlife, but great for for playing football on. And Dave, of course, whose garden it is, has been playing football on the garden. He's lost a couple of goals to his kiddies. And in actual fact, he's gone down to the bottom of his garden through a beautiful swathe of wildflowers. When I look at the garden now, I can see all sorts of bumblebees diving into a, a host of oxide daisies and teasel and ragged robin. He's negotiated his way down to the bottom of the garden onto his little bed where he's cracking open a couple of cans of Carlsberg. And just below... Tinnies. A couple of cans of tinnies. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they are. And just below Dave is a great rickety old gate which leads into an area of barley. Now, barley, we've both said that 
future years people will probably see more barley in show gardens now maybe as a consequence of seeing it at the Wigley Garden but barley's great because not only does it refract lots of light it moves well it's beautifully animated incredibly inexpensive to grow provides a great deal of habitat for voles and mice which in turn provide fodder for pieces like owls for instance and kestrels but barley because it's a plant that has multiple applications you can harvest it you can use it for floral displays Sharon will be pleased absolutely Sharon will be chuffed to be <laughs> you can use it for uh, Sharon's Dave's wife or partner. Are we modern about this? Is she his wife or is his partner? I don't know. So either or. Either, either or. Kids, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there you are. <laughs> and uh, so he's able to harvest that barley, feed it to his stock, his chickens. But also he could do things with it like cut the stems and stuff his wife's old stockings or his onion bags <laughs> and put them into his pond. Good Lord. Richard, yeah. I do think we're going to have to have a different <laughs> ra- rating. My eyes popped open <laughs> to complete sources at the thought of him stuffing his wife's stockings. Stuffing his wife's stockings with a pile of straw. Yeah, to pop into his pond. <laughs> to suppress the growth of filamentous algae, nonetheless. <laughs> Always oh, a good tip. So for yeah, always oh, a good wife. tip. <laughs> so, so he's got that, and he's got his beautiful native hedge, which of course changes all the time. And I'm having problems describing this now because Heather's <laughs> got into fits of giggles. But what it does, what what the garden gives an example of is how something can be relatively easily achieved, how it can provide a massive habitat through log piles which are architecturally significant they provide borders but also lots of habitat for hibernating and nesting invertebrates and mammals and amphibians alike but also something that's very very easily maintained so Dave spends very little time having to make that garden look beautiful it's done as a consequence of tweaking over the years but it is quite gorgeous and I, and I look over now and then lots and lots of people are having big discussions over various elements of the garden it's quite controversial that garden because when we were building it we had several of the other gardeners come along and they're a friendly bunch but our garden caused a bit of hassle with them and they would come by and say you want to strim that load of weeds you do we had one guy say that should be roundup but the women come by and they say oh isn't that beautiful i think there's a gender issue with our garden so i'm going to get that roving ricardo reporter thing out and see what people think yeah good idea yeah chat to some couples i guess Hmm. And, uh, you know, some uh, male and female couples. Yeah, that'd Thank be you, good. <laughs> 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 One thing we haven't mentioned is our fantastic turf roof. I might have mentioned it earlier on just briefly when I talked to the Plant Life guy. But that is great, and that's, lots of people have commented on that, haven't they? It's lovely. When we first put that roof up, well, Pip put it up, it was really short, and it's grown so much in the past few weeks. Yeah. It's just started to bloom, hasn't it? You it has. See all the There's loads of colours coming in. Yellow rattle, r- ribble plantain, and rough hawk bit, all sorts of bits yeah. and pieces. Loads of colour coming on there now. And very enthusiastic feedback from people who say, right, I'm just going to go and roll out my own lawn on the roof. Yeah. Bit of soil underneath you need, because ours hasn't got any soil underneath. And there is a, in actual fact, there is a charitable organisation uh, called livingroofs.com where people can go to and they can get some really good advice on how to create their own living roof using various things. But obviously, Wiggly Turf works extremely well. Fantastic. Thank you, Rich. We'll have Monty with his worm cast in a little while. But first of all, we're going out with our roving mic. Hello, uh, I'm Heather and I'm with Margaret. Margaret today. Margaret, you've had a look at the Wiggly Garden. What do you think of it? I think it's lovely. Do you? Yes, we don't see many about, so... No, that's right. Yes, yeah, it's lovely. 
Have you got any wildflowers in your garden? Yes, we've started one at the top area of our garden. Really? Yeah, oh. We've got a load of logs and bits and pieces, you know. What's your husband think of it? Oh, he likes it. Does he? Because yeah. it saves him mowing, does it? <laughs> Sometimes he mows over it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you much. You're Thank you for agreeing to answer a few You're questions welcome. on the Wiggly Garden. Um, this is for the Wiggly Podcast and I'm Heather. Hi Heather. We've had lots of controversy about the Wiggly Garden. we found that lots of women love it, yeah. but lots of men don't appreciate it. Right. For example, we've had a couple that said, do you know what, you should stream that. <laughs> <laughs> so I've come to you, because you're a man, to see what you think. Well, I think I'm on the fence there. I think if you've got the space... Yeah. Great, because obviously butterflies and the wildlife, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. But if you've got a relatively small garden, then probably not. What's your garden like? Um, medium size, I would say, about 100 feet yeah. in length. Uh, probably not got enough space left for a wildlife garden, but we do grow similar plants to this, you know, in other ways, like forget-me-nots yeah. and the, the oxide daisy, the thistle. They're all in my garden anyway, but yeah. not all in one big mass collection. No, I know what you mean. And your frogs. Oh. And my frogs. Excellent. Yeah. And what yeah. do you think of the barley? Yes. Probably left to a feel, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you yeah, very much. You're welcome. What's your name? My name's Tish. Thank you, Tish, for coming on our weekly podcast. And I can see you looking at Dave's garden. Have you read about Dave at all? I've just read a little bit there about him, yes. Okay, yeah. and what do you think of his garden? I think his garden's lovely. I like it very much, very natural. It's lovely to see all the wildflowers. And I looked at it and thought, it looks very much like my dad's garden down the bottom. Really? <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Yeah, right. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> You're yeah. welcome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. Dear listener, I'm here with Paul, and he's from the... BBC Natural History Unit Radio, based in Bristol. Fantastic. And we've just done an interview. Well, he's just interviewed me about the Wiggly Garden, Dave's, and now I'm just going to ask him back, what do you think of it, Paul? Oh, well, I think it's terrific. I mean, I'm a bit of a wildflower fan. Right. So I agree with Dave wholeheartedly that you can get a, a really amazing wildlife garden in inverted commas in a, a tiny little patch in your garden because I do it myself ah. so I, I'm, I kind of sympathise with Dave and what he's trying to do and I just wish more people were a little bit more creative and a little less uptight about gardening and you're making a programme about this in the autumn, you said? We're making a programme about wildlife gardening for the next run of nature, which begins end of August, beginning of September. And the producer, Brett Westwood, and I have been kind of involved in wildlife gardening for a long time. And what we thought we'd like to do is to get a kind of an update. I mean, one of the things that's really interesting here, we're looking at this garden, which would have been derided as being sort of scruffy and unkempt and slightly beyond the pale. But here it is with a, a silver gilt award and and we think this is great <laughs> you know this is really good and what it does is to show the kind of changes that have happened in a kind of public consciousness about gardening and wildlife over the last sort of, 10 years or so over to montague gorringe for this week's weekly worm cast podcast the wiggly worm cast podcast by monty a weekly fact on worms. Lumbricus terrestris are garden worms who make permanent burrows up to 2.5 metres deep.
That was inspired, Monty. Thank you for that. So next week we'll be back on the Wiggly Sofa. So come and settle down with us at the farm. I look forward to that. It's a while since I've been on that sofa. (laughs) (laughs) Bye for now. Bye. There you go. See? I knew I was handy for something. Yeah. Well, what's your reply? Um... (laughs) I wasn't listening to that at all. <laughs> I didn't listen to that at all, you know. I got halfway through it and drifted off <laughs> thinking about you stuck on the, on the A449. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, so start again.